0: Hey there, friends. How are you? Crossing Broadcast is back. Uh, not to start this off in the Kevin Spacey kind of breaking the fourth wall, the uh, To Be Frank video, if you haven't seen that yet. But uh, Russ Joy, at Joy on Broad, joined today by the fantastic, the illustrious, the simply lovely, and, and honestly, the moral pillar of CrossingBroad.com, Mr. Positivity himself, Kevin Kincaid, is here. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. By the way, if you go into the episode description, which everybody does. You can uh, find his link and my link to Twitter. You just click on those and boom, follow. There you go. Kevin, of course, is the uh, the crack beat writer for your team, your town, your Philadelphia 76ers for CrossingBroad.com. And we are here to talk about Sixers, Eagles, perhaps a little bit of Phillies, Flyers, anything else? Any other questions that came up to us on, uh, on Twitter? We just got done recording It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, a show that features one Kevin Kincaid, mm. former B- Union beat writer and now Sixers beat writer extraordinaire, the best on the beat. yeah no, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Well, you wouldn't, but I wouldn't. I just did.
1: Well, it's nice to uh, it's nice to be with you, as always, Ross. I can't think of anywhere that I would rather be right now. Uh, during Christmas, New Year's break, uh, there's nowhere I would rather be than in front of a computer talking to you right now.
0: Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that says more about the sadness of your life or... I'm drinking um I'm anywhere. drinking
1: this uh Winter Jack stuff. Have you heard of it?
0: I have not. It's like that
1: seasonal Jack Daniel's that they make. It might be kind of girly. You're not a liquor
0: guy, you're a beer guy.
1: I know, but no. it's like yeah, I don't I mean I I used to drink whiskey back in the day. Um but I only really drink beer Russell's
0: now. Russell's Reserve, aged 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Old and then Cro- poured down the drain.
1: Old Crow aged 3 months. Looks like shit and tastes like shit too. Um but it's like this winter it's like a Jack Daniels, but it's got like apple cider or something mixed into it. Some what? people might say that's kinda dumb or it's like a violation or it's girly, but like at is this point in my life version I, of the cider? Uh I don't know. Let me taste it. Is it a clear? Is it opaque um, or is it yeah, translucent? No, t- uh yeah, I mean I can see through it kinda. Okay. Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean it's good, it's got flavor. That's all I really care about at this point. You know, some crossing broad commenter uh, the other week said that I drive a girly truck. I brought that to your attention. I'm yeah.
0: kinda, glad it got under your skin. Yeah,
1: which kind of, I don't know. That was kind of weird because I don't, do you see women driving trucks in Philadelphia?
0: I saw it in Pottsville.
1: In Pottsville? Do you see them up in Schuylkill County? I saw yeah. some in Berks County. We had some uh, truck driving women in, uh, in Berks County, in Boyertown. I love a truck uh, truck driving woman, you wow. know? Yeah, wow. but I'm drinking a really uh, Jack. Of the yeah, there. I'm drinking Winter Jack because I just like you know I I like at West Virginia. Four years at West Virginia, I drank enough like Natty Light and Lion's Head and Ugh. enough shitty bullshit Ugh. beer to last a lifetime. So I don't really I don't need to do fancy like uh, Eagle, rare aged a bazillion years or anything like that. Like I'm just into stuff with uh, that has flavor these days. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I do. But we just got... Yeah, as, we just got we're, on, we're sitting here on the eve of uh, the second annual Crossing Broad bottle swap, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is a time where Friday everybody night, yeah. everybody goes to the liquor store and tries to buy something. Nobody knows anything about what they're doing except for, like, two people.
1: Kyle and Phil are probably the only two people who are, like, really, really know whiskey.
0: Um, Somewhere, investor Jeff just got really, really huffy, very frustrated, and probably just started <laughs> stomping his foot. Now he's mad that I'm pointing <laughs> it out, but... Realistically, Jeff's probably sitting there going, "I pulled up the top ten list. I wouldn't got one. Come on, that's guys. Right, right. It's okay, Jeff. Don't worry." So if we He's were on in Slack,
1: if we were on uh, WIP or ninety-seven-five right now, the producer would be in our ear, or the program director Matt Nahagian might be in our ear right now, going, "Let's come on. Let's get it back. Let's get it back to the Eagles right now."
0: Yeah, well, in most time slots, that's why you're probably getting smashed by WIP. But sorry.
1: Let's go to Bob in South Philly, who's going to tell us all about what he wants to say. Bob uh, hey, hey, Bob hey, you're up. Yeah, hi. Uh, can, can you uh, hear me?
0: Yeah, uh hey, uh can can, can you hear me? Yeah, uh, Bob,
1: we can we can hear you. Turn uh turn uh, that uh radio down.
0: Oh yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that down. Hold on a second. All right, can you hear me now?
1: Yeah, we got you, Bob. Go ahead. All right,
0: th- thanks. Uh I just want to start by saying, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. I got to say uh Kevin, I love the show. Love the show. Mm-hmm. Uh how how you doing today?
1: No, we're good. We appreciate that. You got an Eagles point
0: uh yeah yeah yes so um you know i I can't help but notice the fact that you know uh uh nick Foles. okay uh you know some people like to talk about you know uh different parts of nick you know you know what i'm saying he's got a big arm you know what that means big sleeves you know i know i know
1: what you're saying bob really likes
0: to air it out he does and uh i used to do that with my armpits for a long time didn't wear deodorant it was it was a medical condition i had anyway uh, I think that the reason that the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl this year is because Carson Wentz is a is a wimp and he's got really bad neck acne, and you don't see that on Nick, do you? Nah, Nick wins Super Bowls. He's out here kissing babies. He's out throwing touchdowns. He got Alshon Jeffrey involved, and uh, sorry, Alshon Jeffries involved, and uh, mm. yeah. So so that's it. I j- just out of curiosity, uh, would you trade Carson Wentz for uh, two second round picks? And maybe the the right to swap in twenty twenty four. I'm gonna hang up and listen. Thanks.
1: Well, thanks for the call, Bob. That's uh, so. we I mean, you make a great point. It's a really good point. Uh, actually, the last five hundred people who called the station before you made the exact same point. Uh, but we're gonna answer it again, and we're just gonna soldier through it because that's kind of what it is you know that's just kind of what those guys have to deal with and uh you know god love them i can't believe the hosts got to deal with that kind of this ridiculous kind of phone calls day in and day out but have we broke we broken character now okay. <sighs> yeah all right let's get let's let's uh reorganize here because we just did a full hour doing the i told you we'd spend like 25 minutes talking about the union on the other podcast and it went on for like an hour so i think we want to so just as a programming note we're recording this on thursday night and uh the Flyers are playing right now, and the uh, the Eagles. The Sixers are about to play in twenty minutes. Goodest um, to the box,
0: two minutes for roughing.
1: Well, yeah, stunner, stunner, right there.
0: Stone cold stunner, yes, indeed.
1: Um, so we we want to start with the Sixers. I
0: think that's a because good place it's to still
1: start. kind of the. I mean, it's still yeah, the Christmas Day game is still the most recent, and the Celtics thing is probably the most prominent. You know. Talking point, right? I think that's kind yeah. of one. If that's one A, then Foles and Wentz is one B, I guess. Right now, but so I think there's
0: there's Foles uh, fatigue, there's Foles there's, Foles there's, there's, fatigue, yeah. There's Foles fatigue. There's Wentz wincing, like I, well, because I that's a carryover kind of from
1: down. last. That's a carryover from last week too. You know, because a lot yeah. of those topics that people were talking about on the radio this week, the same shit that they were talking about uh, last week. You know, yep. So Sixers, we will get Celtics. Why don't you just just open it on the Sixers wherever you wherever you feel the need to open it,
0: Bob from South Philly. So uh, now I'm done. Um, here's where I'm at. Honestly, I went into that game. I I told myself I wasn't gonna watch it because I didn't want my Christmas ruined, and I knew they were gonna lose to the Celtics. Um, but but there were a lot of levels to this. You know, if if you look at this from from a uh, a neutral perspective, the Sixers had a really good showing. They have no business being in a competitive game against the Boston Celtics right now. Now of course the the typical fan would probably argue, yeah, but you have three likely All Stars. Maybe Ben Simmons isn't this year, but but at least he will be on a on multiple All Star teams in the future. You look at it, and and most NBA analysts from a national perspective would say that you've got probably three top twenty guys in the league. I think you can make the argument right now that Ben Simmons isn't playing like a top twenty guy. But let's let's just kind of take the Zach Lowe perspective here, the the Bill Simmons perspective. And say that the Sixers have three of the top 20 guys. There are very few teams in this league that can boast that. Um, you're probably looking at Golden State as the only other one. On, on a good year at full health, maybe the Celtics could. With Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, if he weren't coming back off of a horrific injury. And I don't know. Like Maybe you would make a case at some point that Jason Tatum could, could reach that echelon. But you know, even Toronto. Toronto's got Kyle Lowry and, uh, and Kawhi Leonard. But they don't have three top 20 guys. Top-end talent-wise, the Sixers are, are better than Boston. The problem is guys 4 through 15. And, and that ultimately is the thing that, coming out of last season, we said, the Sixers need a guy who can get his own shot. Well, that's Jimmy Butler. You got him. The Sixers need to get better at rotations and having guys that are switchable and guys that are long and athletic that can guard Boston's wings. You don't have that. You didn't address that in the offseason and for as many times as i've gone back to the well saying hey you know the the star the star hunting or star developing line and how deadly that could be if it goes sideways thanks for doing that
1: thanks for doing the full quote with that by the way
0: yeah um you know for as many times as i brought that up people are you know they say oh well you got jimmy butler so what does it matter well it matters because you didn't get jimmy butler until partway into the season you know, Bielitsa walking away in free agency after you had a, a tentative agreement with him and shooting nearly, what what is he at, 47% now from three on the season for Sacramento? He's
1: playing well out there, yeah. you,
0: you look at it and you say, okay, this team really didn't get that much better. Um, Wilson Chandler's been like an, a, a, an okay player, but he doesn't look like, you know, the the better version of him that you thought you might have been getting. Mike Muscala's been iffy at best. These guys also aren't that athletic. I think Chandler's like a decent switchable piece, but like is not that guy. He's a flat-footed five. He's not really a stretch A stretch four. He's not quick enough. So you you look at these teams on the surface and you just say, you know, the Sixers in a lot of ways were lucky to be in a position to be competitive down the stretch, especially with Ben Simmons going invisible for large portions of that game. But you also realize what kind of a, a massive gap exists between not only Boston, but but Toronto, who is, hmm. I think, arguably very likely not only better top end talent-wise than Boston, but is also... An exponentially deeper team, and the Sixers have a lot of concerns. But you know, I did one of my patented long rants, so there you go. No,
1: I, you know what? I kind of looking back at it now, forty eight hours later after the game. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's just crazy to me how how razor thin the margins are uh, in the NBA, where you're talking about the difference between, I mean, really two two shots in that game. Kyrie Irving hitting that tough kind of falling backwards thing in the paint over Jimmy Butler at the end to tie the game at the end of regulation to tie the game. JJ Redick getting a decent shot off at the end of regulation doesn't go in.
0: That last play we have to look if, back at. Well, that I can get
1: awful. right. I can get into that right now, but real quick, think think about if if Kyrie misses that shot or if JJ makes his shot. What are we talking about in this city? We're talking about. Huge Sixers win. The monkey is off their back. They beat, they vanquished Boston in Boston. They got over the hump. You know, the boogeyman has been banished into the closet again, wherever boogeymen come from. (laughs) (laughs) Under your bed. Do they come from under the bed? Maybe I don't know. Let's say yes. I think it depends on how old you are. But you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, the 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 margin of one or two shots going a different way it pulls us from one end of the Sixers' reactionary spectrum all the way over to the other one. You know why? Where we're that, questioning though. Brett Brown's existence and Ben Simmons's Ben Simmons' existence and Joel Embiid's quotes and stuff like that. But think about, you know, if one play goes. <laughs> happens differently for them in that game. We're on the total opposite end of it, you know?
0: Yeah, but Kevin, see, this is the thing that I, I have the problem with coming back to it. So, you know, people look at, at the Sixers and they say, okay, well, you know, if if Ben Simmons shoots better from the free throw line, if JJ Redick is able to hit that last shot, you know, it's the Sixers game to win. All right, fine. But I can also play, you know, devil's advocate on this. And And if you look at the Celtics and how they shot on the day, you know, they also only went nine guys deep, but they had a much better balance of minutes um Jalen Brown played 20 minutes in the game he only went two for seven Terry Rozier only went three for three for six now mm-hmm. he went two for three from three but like on any other given day those guys are probably putting up closer to 10 shots maybe uh maybe not Jalen Brown but I would expect Rozier to probably get like nine shots um that that might be the difference of one or two threes Gordon Hayward only took six shots on the day when Gordon Hayward is at full strength which you would expect him to be or, or close to like at least 85 90 for the playoffs you know I think um Brad Stevens is probably going to do a decent job of making sure that, uh, you know, they get him meaningful minutes, but they also kind of rest him down the stretch and try to get him back to full health. Gordon Hayward's not going to go two for six in every game against the Sixers. Like, say that this ends up being a, an Eastern Conference semifinal matchup between these two teams in a in a not horrible scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, a lot of these things can go sideways. I mean, Semi doesn't even make it onto the court. Yabus uh, Yabusile doesn't even make it onto the court. Like. You look at it and it's like, okay, you know, Markeith Morris goes out eight for thirteen. That's that's I I think pretty standard for him. Jason Tatum, he, he missed eleven shots on the day. He missed six threes. I mean, you're a decent shooting Boston night away. From from this whole thing going sideways. And I I don't mean sideways, like I mean like this thing going totally lopsided. Like you're not even in contention in the fourth. Like Boston gets to the rest their starters. So while I get the idea that, you know, the Sixers could have had a couple things break a different way and maybe they win, like, yeah, that's accurate, but like a lot of things went wrong for Boston in that game and it kinda let the Sixers stay into it. Again, Well you do, you only give, do you give do you give the credits deep.
1: do you give the Sixers any credit for playing pretty good defense in the second half the other night?
0: I, I guess a little bit.
1: Is it the Sixers? See, I guess here's what I'm at. here's what I'm asking. Do you do you feel like the Sixers played a bad game the other night? No, yeah, I, I don't, don't. I don't either.
0: I I don't think they played a bad game. I think they played over their heads a bit in in some ways. I, I think when you're running a team out, and this I, this is a Brett Brown thing that I, I don't get. Brett only played nine guys in the game, and I know Brad Stevens did as well. But this is why I said like the the balance of minutes matters. You look at the starting lineup for the Sixers, right? Wilson Chandler, 40 minutes played. Joel Embiid, 40 minutes played. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, 38 minutes. JJ Reddick, 39. Jimmy Butler, 43. Compare that to the Celtics.
1: 22 for Tice, 28 for Hayward, 20, That's the 20 for Rosie. Br- oh, you're, ta- you're talking about the yeah, starters? Yeah, I'm talking so-
0: about okay, the starters. For. Yeah. For the starters, for the Celtics, only one guy touched forty minutes. It was Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving, who yeah. also led the team in shots attempted at thirty-three. Right, but he mm-hmm. played forty minutes. Mm-hmm. Now Tatum and Morris were close at thirty-eight and thirty-seven, respectively. But like Marcus Smart, Al Horford, thirty minutes each. Um, and the entire yeah, the entire Sixers and, and the bench yeah. guys were anywhere between twenty and twenty-eight minutes. Mm-hmm. You look at the Sixers: Furkan Korkmaz plays ten minutes, Muscala plays seventeen, Shamit plays fourteen, TJ gets twenty-four. The the problem is, yeah. and, and this is like, I, I guess this is the the thing that I, I kind of focus on. When you get into a playoff series, oftentimes you shorten the bench. That's fine. Brett Brown doesn't have a lot to work with, but I keep coming back around to the question. I, I don't think that you should be seeing Demetrius Jackson in these games. I certainly don't think Amir Johnson should be coming in. But I wonder, like, what is the apprehension to play Jonah Bolden in any kind of scenario? Because I don't think what Mike Mescal is giving you right now is better than what Jonah Bolden can give you. Well, you don't yeah, think that Jonah, Jonah Bolden can yeah. give you one of nine from the field? <laughs> Jonah Bolden is a more athletic player. We've seen him make some of those Rashawn Holmes, I was out of position but I recovered well and, and made a highlight reel block. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd rather see them give Jonah Bolden minutes than Mike Muscala at this point. I think Muscala mm-hmm. maybe gets to a point where he kind of shoots himself out of you know some of the, the slumps he's found himself in. But athletically, Muscala's not there. No, you know, no, I, I, mean, I, could, I think I could... you're
1: still kind of holding on to maybe the idea that he could be a, if they got you know a front front court help at some point this season maybe he could be a I guess kind of a stretch five or they could replicate that that look that they did with Dario and with Arsano Yusova last year where they kind of went small and they had shooters all over the floor I think that yeah, was kind mean, of like, like the ceiling like, with him hoping that maybe you could get get something like that out of him but I, yeah. I don't I don't know I don't know yeah the B at least nothing at the
0: rim though he's not quick enough to go out and guard the perimeter mm, so like, they right. get the stretch five yeah. idea. But yeah. like. You don't think anybody's going to go driving in? You don't think Kyrie or or Terry Rozier in those right, situations, uh-huh. or Kyle Lowry for the for the Raptors, are going to attack Mike Macciala if he's well, under the, the rim? Like you'd be kidding yourself. Let's you know?
1: talk about the. Um, oh,
0: up. Oh, f- Tampa Bay just won six five. In overtime. Uh, yep. Oh. Flyers come back to get a point in the game. Well, but, uh, that's
1: good uh, mucking and grinding out of them. I'm sure they just need yeah, to get Tampa's some more. Really just team. need to get some more old time hockey Rest guys. Rest in peace, in Michael Noiver. They um. So, you know, I I think when it came down to that, all of us were probably probably thinking, okay, number one, well, there's mul- there's multiple layers here. Okay, let me, let me start from the very beginning, all right? Kyrie makes a shot. Um, take a timeout. Yes or no? I mean, most people are obviously going to say yes. Let's take a timeout. Let's think about it. Let's draw up our play. Let's see what we, um, you know, let's think about it and see what we can do here, right? Um, I think I I don't have any problem with with Brett Brown just running them up the floor. Because if you call um, timeout there, you know, you're just allowing them to – you're just allowing Brad Stevens to sub. You know, you can bring in Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier and you can take Hayward off the floor. Uh, that know.
0: was a really good point that you made in your uh, in your post-game. Oh, thank you. Thank up. you. I
1: think Rich said something similar on, on Twitter, too. I think he made similar points. So I, maybe we can get co-credit for it or something like that. But I, I think, and, and the other thing with those situations, too, I think is that you're allowing the crowd to kind of build <laughs> themselves into like a frenzy over the course of the timeout. And in that case, you know, if you like the call that you have, if you're confident in it and you have the personnel that you want on the floor, then go for it. You deny the defensive substitution. You let the you don't let the crowd kind of get into it, um, and you take your your crack at it. And they got a decent shot off of it. Now, I, I think so. So that's one layer. The next thing is that people are probably sitting here thinking, all right, well, you're going to give the ball to Jimmy Butler, um, because okay. that's why you went out and got him, right? He hit these crazy isolation three pointers to win you two games already this year, you know, and you needed a closer, that's why you went out and get him. Um, Joe DeCamera made a the point or he had a tweet that was making the rounds today or yesterday or something like that where he was saying I don't understand why Brett Brown would give it to his fourth best player uh in that situation. It's, well, it's it's true I guess that JJ the Reddick of the is tank! the fourth is the fourth, but he's not in that one. Um the fourth best know, he's player not, just saying. Oh. he's trying oh, to, whoa, whoa. he's trying to get himself mentioned. Oh, okay. Um but JJ Reddick's not the fourth best shooter on the team. He's probably well, I mean percentage-wise he's he's not up he's not number one this year, but you know what I'm saying. I I don't have any problem with JJ right taking that shot. That's a play that they've run a bunch of times this year. It's basically just spread everybody out, start um JJ on the um in the slot on the on the baseline in the slot. And then it's not it's not really supposed to be it's not really supposed to be a dribble handoff. It's more of kind of like a like an inverted pick and roll where where Ben is supposed to JJ or Does this even,
0: team even know how to run a play that doesn't Well, all JJ
1: the they run it on the they run it on on the on the wings with uh, Embiid and Redick and when they do it that way Redick sets the screen on the player and they get Joel some really easy stuff to the basket. I think he said a couple dunks off that motion earlier this year. This one is like they sort of go in and it's like a brush cut half you're kind of selling the inverted pick and roll and then ben is supposed to get a body on gordon hayward there and he really didn't i think it was kind of sloppy and it's weird when you watch the replay and i put this in the article um today or yesterday or whenever the hell i wrote it uh, but joel Embiid is up in the co- is in the corner putting his hands up saying like what the hell are you guys doing because they didn't start the motion until there's like six 6.5 seconds left on the clock and when jj yep. comes around and ben hands it off to him ben doesn't get anything uh on gordon hayward now, Reddick still gets a decent shot off. He gets like a nineteen footer off. And at the end of the day, a, a JJ Reddick uh dribble handoff 19 footer is a higher efficiency shot than Jimmy Butler hurling up a contested 25-footer. You know? So that's yeah. wrinkle number two. That's layer number two. I have one final layer to the play. The only problem I have with Ben B be- is with Ben being involved in that is that he's just not a th- he's not gonna be a threat to shoot in the half court. Obviously, we know that, right? So when you put him in that kind of inverted, like, high-low pick-and-roll DHO, whatever the hell you want to call it, what they'll normally do is that if if his de- if the other defender moves to Redick, he can just drive the lane because everybody's so spaced out on the floor that the lane is wide open and you're basically playing a two-man game in the middle of the floor. Um, but But Ben is not... <laughs> You know, in that situation, what are you gonna? You're gonna get a drive from him or a 19 footer. I I don't know if if you put like Butler or somebody else in that action, I would like it better because they just have the flexibility to take the shot in addition to driving the lane. So I just don't really like Ben being involved in that half court stuff at the end of the game because he just does not have the skill set to be effective in a slow down end of game crunch time half court situation. Yep. That's the no, third I, layer. I, That's all the layers that I can think of.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I, I think, look, I, I think there's a, a a general school of thought here that Ben Simmons holding the ball, coming down the court in a half-court set, makes little to no sense for this team in crunch time. and And Boston has been really the team that has done the best job of defending him. And by defending him, I mean sagging 8 to 10 feet off of him and essentially daring him to to take a shot and he won't do it and i don't care how many times somebody wants to tweet out like mm-hmm. i saw drew drew corrigan um put some kind of some like probably some quote, fan quote boy, fanboy fanboy bullshit from him bro yeah, yeah with uh yeah like he quote i don't tweeted, even know the guy it was, a, just, it was a video of well he's he's the false guy okay you know, all right, all right. you know every everything has to be about you nothing Andrew, personal Markell. i
1: just you know comment on what i see yeah.
0: It's just, uh, you know, he, he quote tweeted with somebody's, or he like embedded, I guess the video of Ben taking corner threes and went two for five with nobody in his face. And it's funny because when you see the, the comments that follow it, people are like, oh yeah, great to see him doing that. And, uh, in a wide open and in a shoot around, he can't even make all five. It's like, well, not a lot of guys do, but like, let's take that a step further. Mm-hmm. Then the, the Ben defenders, the Ben fenders say, you know, or the D benders, uh, say, well, you know what? Like, uh, he, he doesn't get a lot of space. He doesn't get open looks in games. It's like, no, that's a lie. Like, he gets 8 to 10 feet on a lot of possessions. He could theoretically pull up. This has been the point that I've tried to make for well over a year now. And initially, I got killed on this show by either any combination of Kyle and Adam at the time, where it was like, you know, it was this this constant thing where it was like I was bashing Ben, and I wasn't. It was just... He needs to be willing to take a shot because when you get into a crunch time scenario when you get into a crunch time situation what you need the the way that ben ends up becoming a a really valuable piece in a half court set is if he's going to possess the ball the the defense can't be eight ten feet off of him it allows them to shade towards one of the better shooters on the team it allows them to not have to to worry about him as a legitimate threat outside of the paint. Mm -hmm. and quite frankly his finishing around the rim still hasn't been that great that it's like, you know, he gets himself either to the line or he's, you know, converting at like an 85% clip around the rim. He had like, that if that's bad not,
1: possession like, where he came not in overtime oh, where they were down. Oh God,
0: well he came down like a freight train. Well they were only and, down and like by four. High off the glass. Yeah, they were
1: down by four and it was uh, 45 seconds left. He comes flying well, down about, the court and just, he doesn't hit you know, on the last two shots of overtime. They didn't even hit or the or rim on either how one How about Chandler shots.
0: going up with the offensive rebound like in uh, a double team? Yeah, yeah. That, like, I think that, that was in overtime too. as well. Yeah.
1: But, and they had, they ran the, there was one one. Sorry, they had um, they ran Butler and Embiid on a pick and roll, on yep. a middle pick and roll. Butler probably probably picked up his dribble just a little too early, and he got the ball to Embiid around the elbow. But he had Ben underneath the basket, and maybe if the pass was, I don't know, it hit him a little a little closer to the rim or something like like that, maybe Ben would have been able to go up and and score with that. But. Uh, he, I I didn't have a ton of ton of problem with what Brett was calling at the end of the game. I I know he's not really a guy. He's been quoted as saying I something to the effect of I think that calling plays is overrated. And I asked I ask him questions about that all the time where he seems to kind of poo poo the idea of like slowing it down and dialing up more more stuff, going back to horns, going back to pick and roll things like that. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make that. No that's A fine. Quick point. Um, we're, we're, we're.
0: Look, I I think that if Ben is going to be the guy to handle the ball in the half court set with the clock ticking down, I think there there has to have already been the the belief put into the defense's mind that he might shoot. And it doesn't exist. It's not going to exist. Yeah. He's not going to change his game. He clearly has not fundamentally worked on his jump shot. He didn't work on it in the offseason. He spent more time... Like, this is where you get into, like, the real sports talk radio thing where, like, the Angelos of the world would say, he spent more time with a Jenner than he did in the gym, went on his jumper. (laughs) More time with a Jenner than a jumper? Can you believe it, Al? Can you believe it? Well, I don't know. You know, it... Yeah,
1: now let's go to Steven Singer for this commercial.
0: Here's the thing that really frustrates me, though. To me, I think the way that you do this is you put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands. You allow Jimmy and, and Joel to run either a pick and roll or you do a pick and pop and have uh, JJ you know come off with a, a better look. I, I don't think mm-hmm. the look that he had was bad, but at least it Jimmy Butler having the ball, it has a gravitational effect to it that allows you know JJ to maybe get a little bit of a, uh, a little bit more space on the shot or maybe it frees up Joel from facing what will assuredly be a double team. You know, Ben I think is better in that situation, you know, setting himself up from, you know, the, the high poster at the elbow and being a guy who can be a secondary facilitator and in, in that position to either find a backdoor cutter, like maybe that's where you have JJ or Jimmy kind of go off ball with a, a backdoor, you know, cut mm-hmm. gets gets like a, a decent look at the rim. If Ben is gonna be the guy in that situation to possess the ball, then he's got to go, you know, all out. He's got to get himself to the line, or he's got to get himself to the rim, and he's talented enough to do it. I just, I I don't like the lack of a timeout. I get schematically, fundamentally, why you don't want to allow them to get Marcus Smart and even Terry Rozier in and get Mm -hmm. Kyrie out. Like, I get that fundamentally. But then if you're Brett, you have to have something. You have to have a play that's installed that takes the ball out of Ben's hands. He's just yeah. not. Well, that, he's that's also not a recipe for success. It doesn't make any Brett sense. Brett is just
1: a very hands off kind of coach, and uh, you know, you know, in that a works way, when you have
0: Vander Blue, and when you have <laughs> you know James Nunnally and Hollis Thompson, yeah, it doesn't work when you have Casper you know, Ware, and you know, when you yeah. have an, a, a perennial MVP candidate right now in Joel Embiid, and one of the best clutch players, one of the best fourth quarter finishers in the entire game in Jimmy Butler. It doesn't work. You can't make excuses and for all the Brett Brown people and I've liked Brett Brown for a long time but mm-hmm. like you know, Phil Phil to his credit has been the guy banging the the Brett Brown drum for the better part of a year and a half. Yeah, now. but don't give and, don't and, give and Phil like, any credit because Phil I, never I am never going no, to.
1: he never articulates his point. He never says why he doesn't like brett brown or he never says why this doesn't work or that doesn't work he just like can't, stumbled upon this thing i don't think brett brown's the guy and he just says it over and over and over again but it's not based on anything like he can't like has he ever has phil ever spelled out why he dislikes brett brown i think he has like once a year ago and no, he doesn't I, remember i think, he's, I think he said remembers? it a few
0: times where he's questioned the the lineups that come in especially later in games okay And the, and the team's inability to finish off and the team's lack of focus. Well, let's talk about, let's talk
1: about Brett Brown then when you, so the first 45 minutes of NBA basketball is whatever the last three minutes of NBA basketball is what it's slow it down, walk it up the court, isolation, pick and roll. A lot of timeouts, you know, just execution in the in half court offense, right? We're in yep. agreement on that. That's what NBA basketball is, okay? College basketball is just foul, 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 foul. Bullshit your way to a win, right? Um so isolation, pick and roll, half court offense. What do the Sixers do for the first forty five minutes of a game? It's not ISO, it's not pick and roll, you know. It's not a lot of it's you know, they'd prefer to get out and swing the ball around and move in transition versus, you know, doing slow BS half-court possessions. So what the Sixers do philosophically and with their base motion offense, their their base offense is built with principles that Brett Brown took in San Antonio and he meshed together with Mike D'Antoni and he created this motion offense. It's called A to B. A to B is the name of the Sixers offense, right? Ben Simmons brings the ball up the court, passes it to the trailing big. Trailing big looks for the dribble handoff with the shooting guard on the left side of the right side, and if not, you have action on the other side of the floor. Right? It's very perimeter heavy ball movement or whatever. That works. That works fine for 45 minutes, you know. But but what they do fundamentally, base concepts, the sets that they run, uh, the way that the offense operates, it just doesn't. It doesn't interface well with the way that late game NBA basketball is played. You know what I mean? Whereas if the Celtics are running a bazillion middle pick and rolls throughout the game through minute one through minute 45, you're also going to be doing that for minute 46 to 48. So it's easier for other NBA teams to uh, to use a Brett Brown term to deliver themselves to the final stages of a game, the Sixers kind of got to switch it up and do something different. I've used this analogy like a billion times. and I swear to God, at some point I will come up with something different. But the best thing I can think of is, is again, it's like a football team that is like a spread offense team. They're throwing bubble screens. They're spreading the ball all over. All over. They're running outside zone. They're throwing the ball down the field. And then all of a sudden, like, you kind of got to adjust and you got to close out the game and you got to hand it off to your fullback and you got to get a tough yard you know just mm-hmm. running straight up the middle and the Sixers don't know how to run it straight up the middle to close a game out like they don't have that what they do as a base offense and their philosophy and their base concepts do not mesh well they don't interface well um, with mm-hmm. the end of games and that's that's part of the reason why you went and got Jimmy Butler I would rather have the ball in his hands in those situations but I didn't, I didn't have any problem with with J.J. Redick getting that shot off
0: I, I don't think it's necessarily having. It's, a, an not, issue my with that it's shot. not my preferred. It's th- not my
1: preferred. I would not have preferred that. Yeah, but like at the a, end of the day, the, the if you're camera point me, I don't think is good. If the, well, I, I get what I get. What Joe is trying to say, but he's not right. I mean, JJ's not the. He might be your fourth best player, but he's not your fourth best shooter. You know. I think if anybody no. told if you if somebody told you. Before the Celtics game the other day, if I told you on Christmas Eve, if I said, Russ, the Sixers are going to have a chance to win, have a chance to beat the Celtics in Boston on Christmas Day with a 19-foot J.J. Reddick shot. Are you happy with that? You would probably probably say, yeah,
0: okay, all right, I'll, I'll take my chances with that. I probably would have said, who did the Sixers get? To fortify the bench, that led to them getting in, even in that situation. <laughs> well, course, I mean, of course,
1: of course, that's all. That's all. But you know, if we're going to boil it down to the most simple thing, really, I mean, the NBA is about who makes shots and who doesn't shot. Who doesn't make shots more than anything, you know. And at the end, yeah. of, end, end of regulation, you know, Boston hit a tough one. Jimmy Butler, to his credit, played played great defense on Kyrie. Um on a couple of those possessions in the fourth quarter, i don't I don't think you can stick him on stick him on him the whole game and and allow him to ask him to do that and still score twenty points or whatever. but you know, because of that, i i think the the criticisms of Brett Brown, i think number one, it's it's philosophically what they do just is not really is not really i don't think he's adjusting well it's it doesn't it doesn't marry itself well to what the contemporary nba game is and i know that they're kind of like the warriors and the way they sling the ball around and they get some great run out transition dunks and some highlight real plays and stuff like that but sometimes you just got to bullshit your way through some pick and rolls and ugly isolation possessions at the end of the game to kind of close it off and right now they're not real they're like a they're like a boutique kind of team that can't really uh, big east basketball their way to victory if that makes any sense
0: they don't, yeah they don't mesh and I, I don't think Brett's done a good job of of fitting his scheme to the players they have I don't think Jimmy fits within the the offense that Brett's trying to run I feel like he's effectively tried to do a plug and play of of what Robert Covington's role on the team was and Butler's obviously a, a much better player than Jimmy. yeah you replaced than a, a, than three, a three
1: a three and D you know defensive specialist with a high yeah. with a high volume you know scorer who also defends very well but he's not he's not a util, he's not
0: a 3 and D role player. He's not a yeah, he's not as switchable as Covington was. Now, if you could as, get a, to... as a lockdown defender, I think Jimmy's better. Yeah. Uh but he doesn't have that one-through-four defensive But if you so
1: lem, had, but... let me ask you this if they, if they went out and got say they found like front court depth somewhere in the buyout market or they made a trade or something and they were able to to do like a, Uh, say Ben Simmons at the one, Jimmy, move Jimmy Butler up to the two, play like Wilson Chandler as a three, where he played for a large chunk, probably more minutes in his career than a power forward. And then you have him beat and whoever your power forward is. Do you think a front, a, a, a three of Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler and Wilson Chandler does anything more for you?
0: No, I don't. In term, in terms I, I think, of them
1: being able to to match to to put enough to put bodies on Tatum,
0: Kyrie Irving. I don't know if it does because I haven't seen enough from Chandler to think that he's going to be. Like, I don't think his lateral quickness is there right now. I don't think he looks like a guy who could match up in a in a playoff series with Tatum or or James. He LeBron. does look like he aged. No, I don't. Yeah, he looks like he, he does, aged. He looks multiple like he lo- years in one yes. year. You know, and I think that's that's the issue. I think that when the sixers acquired him they were expecting like 2016 wilson chandler and instead they've gotten like what we would have projected out to be like 2021 wilson chandler like, i would I think be he's, yeah yeah he's he's a decent enough player but he yeah he hasn't aged well maybe it's all i'm not i'm not like the anti-tattoo guy i mean i kind of am a little bit but like <laughs> the wilson chandler tattoos are some of the worst i've seen since uh since chris anderson it chris anderson yeah <laughs> Since the Birdman, yeah, who looked, yeah, like, who looked yeah. like a who looked like he let an elementary school just take Crayola crayons yeah. and some markers to his neck,
1: but well, I've got a couple, you know, I've got like, a couple bad moving, ones, but they're all hideable. So you know, I think that's the like, difference. If there's you, you, something you, that goes up to your neck, there's not much you can do about it. You know, you
0: know what, you know what would honestly help the Sixers right now? Imagine if you had a guy like Zaire Smith
1: or Markel, uh, yeah, Mark, if Markel Fultz or, was was the player Fultz, he was supposed to be, this uh, none of
0: this would. None of this would be happening, you know. See, I disagree. I still don't think that Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons would have worked well together. No, but even, Markel, up yeah, but even if you were bringing, even if you were bringing Markell, either or scenario. Yeah, but even if you were bringing
1: Markell off the bench the other night and he was giving you twenty minutes as a point guard, and you didn't have to play TJ, the amount of minutes. I mean, you don't Here's you don't like Markell? Markell as a defender is, better than better than what TJ's giving you.
0: Yes, absolutely. This is the thing. If Markel Fultz had a healthy rookie, the Jazz season are up one. And, to and was, oh, blessed. If if Markel Fultz had a, a healthy rookie season, I think you would have seen the Sixers go with a near straight up trade of Ben Simmons for Kawhi Leonard. And in that scenario, that is a much more cohesive team. Now I could be wrong. Maybe San Antonio wouldn't have viewed Ben Simmons as you know a one for one kind of guy. But I think you know future future things considered into it. I think you can argue that Ben Simmons projects to be a better player than DeMar DeRozan. He also would have allowed you to have a lot more cap flexibility than DeRozan did. Um, and then you would have had a legitimate score at, at the point guard position to Markel Fultz. But unfortunately, you know, that just sent I mean, that's essentially the butterfly effect, right? Like him kind of falling apart like he did and never being that player, or at least not being that player till now. Maybe he never will be it's just sent ripples throughout the organization and and you know for as sad as it is like to see like Zaire's thing was very scary like you you can't there's no joking about it like Zaire Smith had a legitimate medical concern that could have very yeah it could have killed him quite frankly from from what we've gathered I think right like Mm. A food allergy. Food allergies have the potential to kill you. So well, like, you don't know
1: what the hell it is. I mean, you're sitting there yeah. thinking, like, what the fuck is wrong with me? What's happening? And you, yep. you don't I mean, and on top of that, you have a broken foot. Like, can you imagine yep. that? What what is hey Zaire, what was your first how's your last couple months been going for you? Well, I suffered a Jones fracture, I almost died. But it's otherwise it's good. Thanks for asking. Like can you imagine what's what, the what like, Jones what's going through, now. I died from a food Like what's allergy. going what, yeah. you, what could be what what do you think is going through his head when when you know, he gets a diagnosis for like these allergies that he just never, never knew that he had. You know, I can't I imma- like I imagine. I can't imagine what of that would be the, like. Uh,
0: the 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 um, the combine process as you're going into the league, they should just do the blood test. I mean, blood testing for allergies is so simple of both the seasonal and the food variety. I've had both done. Yeah, it's very simple, and it's not like you'd have to like make teams privy to it. But I feel like as a league, yeah, you probably should let your guys know, especially if. You know, you're going to be promoting having these guys play abroad, and and they might, you know, run across some ingredients they're not used to. I, I don't know. Call me crazy, but I, I don't feel like a guy should be finding out, you know, in his rookie year in the NBA that he's allergic to whatever. Was it peanut? Uh, sesame, sesame, yeah. Sesame sort of
1: seeds, sesame. or sesame, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> no uh, sesame I know. chicken. No, no sesame seed. So, I mean, yeah,
0: you just look again, yeah, then send the guy to China, right? But, but like, Russ, it's
1: like seriously. It's it, Think about what would this team be if they were getting at anything out of their last two lottery picks?
0: What if they were getting <laughs> anything know? out of Andres Pajacnikas? P- 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 Imagine makes, if yeah, I mean, this is this. This comes back to like this. This goes way off the rails. But like this comes back to the Brian Colangelo era. You know, you trade it up to get Andres Pajacnikas, but yet. Kyle Kuzma was still there. Like, Kuzma was on the board, and so was Josh Well, you don't have to say. Both of those guys, like, either of those guys makes a considerable difference. Nobody
1: has ever... And here's the thing. I mean, it's naive to sit here and think that everybody's just going to nail, like, all five of their friggin', you know, draft picks over the last two years or whatever, but the Sixers are a big what-if with Fultz, so that's 0 for 1 or an NA there. You don't know what you have in Zaire, so that's another not applicable right there. Um, Pasechnix was... Whatever nobody knows. He's probably never going to come over here.
0: Uh, Although his agent recently said that Sixers fans are going to be very excited about what they see. Oh, okay. Though in fairness, Drew Hanlon once said that about Markel Fultz and his jump well, shot. Well, you so. know the whole
1: Drew Hanlon thing now has to be reevaluated because we don't know what the fuck if Markel was injured this whole time or what the hell was going on with that. Um, Welcome. You to know, a uh, Landry Sham, it was a nice fine. Um, I mean, Furkan's yeah, been okay, been but they're not. They don't. They don't. Shouldn't be playing the amount of minutes they are. If if one of those guys if they had hit on faults or Zaire, or if one of those guys had turned into kuzma or Hart or whatever, see, that's what I'm saying. They, they, it's not that they like missed like here or there or whatever. It's like, there's a whole wave of like chunks of, of moves in a row that they got no value out of. Um, you know, so you yeah. look at individual things and you say like, well, okay, Jaleel Okafor, they didn't get anything back for him, you know? Um, you could say, well, they didn't really get much in return for Ner- Ner- nerlands you know. And, but so, in, individually, those things don't seem like they're that big of a deal at the time. But then, when you start to pile them up, you're like, okay, well, combined, they really didn't get shit for any of this, you know. And now well, you're looking now you're looking at a rotation like, of like they,
0: eight, eight dudes who are worth playing, you know. Remember when Colangelo took over? There was the rumor that Danny Ainge wanted one of either nerland's Noah, Jaleel Okafor, and was offering up the pick that ended up becoming Jalen Brown. Yeah imagine how different this team looks like with with a guy like Jalen Brown on their roster. You are talking about a guy who's switchable, who can who can get shots. Like, he's not a perfect player, no. but he would certainly look better on this team. Look at a guy like Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant yeah. got you what back? Jeremy yeah. Grant's now the starting power forward on a team that's what second in the Western Conference. Like, these are all moves that while they seem small at the time, they, they add up. The cumulative effect can't be ignored. And so, like, you know, well, mm-hmm. I, I think it's funny when you see somebody try to hate on Hinkie at this point, but it's like, think about wh- what that guy did. Aside from, like, Okafor, which, you know, it, every every Hinkie supporter, which I would consider myself to be, would say that might have been more of an ownership thing. And also the fact that, like, Chris Epps Porzingis' agent wouldn't let him um, try out here because he also represented Nerland's Noel and it would have created, you know, essentially a logjam, whatever. Long-term financial considerations would have been bad, whatever. Um, but the fact that Hinckley put the mechanism in motion that you could have multiple years of a somewhat failed, uh, somewhat failure, abject failure, if you want to go that far, of a Brian Colangelo era, and yet you still managed to get two number one overall picks by virtue of either having gotten yourself in that position in the lottery or having the assets to trade up to, be, to get the number one overall pick. And by the way, you got one of probably the top five players in the league in Joel Embiid. And even after a, a few years of Brian Colangelo doing whatever it was that he did as as GM and president Excuse of basketball me. operations, like you're still in position where you, in theory, are a few pieces away from being a legit contender in the Eastern Conference. Oh, and by the way, you took guys who were, you know, scrap heap in the D League, like Robert Covington and, and guys who were never supposed to come over and Dario Saric. And you parlayed that into, you know, top 15 player in Jimmy Butler. These are all things that Hinkie put into play. And now you look at it and it's like, well, what exactly does Brian Colangelo have to show for his time in Philly? He got the number one consensus overall pick in Ben Simmons. He made a trade with their mortal enemy in the Boston Celtics and traded a pick that very likely could even be used as part of a haul if if uh, New Orleans ever decides they want to trade Anthony Davis. I mean, imagine if the, uh, the Sacramento pick ends up becoming part of a, a, a deal for Anthony Davis and now you have to deal with that terror for a few years, you
1: know? So um, know. here's a question from Rob. Any ideas of moves the Sixers can make this season or next offseason?
0: Yeah, one to Prudential Center. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Josh Harris conspiracy theories. So I, don't, God, I mean, who the hell is even going to be available
1: in the buyout market? I mean, the buyout market's not going to save them. You know, I mean, it's just another, it's just another bandage. You know, it's another Ilya Sofa and Bellinelli that gets you a bunch of regular season wins, but but it doesn't do anything to solve your celtics or raptors problem you know
0: yeah i mean um trevor Reza i think was a guy that a lot of people had hoped would have hit in the, yeah would have hit he the, uh, made a lot of sense the waiver wire and then washington swoops in and says oh no 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 we'll send you kelly Oubre." who i i think i'm higher on than a lot of people but um trevor Reza actually netting a, a decent player a decent young player at not the worst salary in the yeah, world was yeah. somewhat surprising so yeah
1: I mean, who's on a is on an expiring
0: contract now? Contavious Caldwell Pope KCP. maybe from the Lakers could could be had, but he's making 12 million this year. It's a one-year deal. In theory, I don't think they're going to cut him. I think they're going to want to make a, a low-level trade. You could make the argument that like, I think it's January 18th. Kevin Love is available for a trade, but he's making what? I think it's 26 million this year, 30 million next year, and he's got like what three, four years left on that deal. Yeah. He signed an yeah, extension a, in the last yeah, year or huge, so. Yeah. It's like do, like if you're the Sixers and you think, hey, you know, Kawhi's not going to come here, Clay Thompson's not going to come here, we can't, we don't have enough for Bradley Beal. Like, is there a point where you say to Cleveland, like, for the right price, we'll go after Kevin Love and and we'll fortify this lineup? I mean, now if you want to talk about having guys that are switchable, like Kevin Love's really not that guy. He's attackable, but like if nothing else, he can rebound. He'd probably play well off of Joel Embiid. It would allow you to to probably move Chandler to the three. Like maybe that's a better lineup, but. That's not the thing that puts you over the top in the Eastern Conference. It certainly yeah. doesn't make you challenge the Warriors. Yeah, I'm so. trying to
1: think of who else kind of sucks and who's dysfunctional out there. Ah, uh, you know, if, is anybody on Chicago that jumps out at you? You know, Phoenix obviously. Tyson Ch-
0: well, Tyson Chandler could have been a good backup big, but he went to the yeah. Lakers. Maybe Courtney gone, Lee.
1: Courtney Lee. Uh,
0: Courtney Lee's I don't not. I think of the
1: bigs out there. Like, who's a big on an expiring contract right now? Well, Tyson Chandler, Chandler was. But- Isn't Vucevic on the last year of his contract? It's not gonna Ooh, work. I yeah, really
0: I, I think he's on the last year of his contract too. Um, God, who the hell is on that? Chicago Avery Bradley's had yeah. had a bad year. I don't see. Uh, I don't see him getting dropped, but I guess there's a, a slight. God, chance. I mean, who's
1: out there? Like, who, who's who's like in the scrap heap of like reclamation projects? Like Jabari Parker uh, would not go for G- that. Kenneth Fareed. Who else is not? Who's in the NBA that's like not <laughs> even like playing? Who could you you could get for super cheap you could try um, to
0: buy a, like you could try to buy low Kenneth on a guy free. like ken baysmore from uh from the baysmore Hawks. i've the, heard the, his prob- name the problem with up, baysmore yeah. is he's i think he's due somewhere around 20 million 19 million for the next couple of years yeah, he was part of that draft. Yeah. it was what the class of 16 where yeah. everybody went through copious amounts of money at like alan crab yeah that was a weird contract a nobody too. so i don't know i
1: just don't think that they can do it this year you know, I still think you're just I, you're just kind of hinged slack. I on. I think you punt you punt the year. I mean, you're just you're basically just seeing if, if Zaire and Mark Hell can be anything this year, and if not, yeah. you give it your best shot against the Celtics and the Raptors. I was disappointed they didn't get a full strength Toronto the other night. I was so fucking annoyed on Saturday night because I went, I drove my ass all the way up to Santa Toga. Me and my mom go to the f- outlets up there, the Philadelphia Premium Outlets, which are like 40 miles from Philadelphia. And we do our a bunch of holiday shopping up there. It's like a dumb, like, tradition that we do or whatever. I'm sitting here thinking, all right, got to drive my ass all the way back down to the Wells Fargo Center for the Raptors game. But I'm really excited because it's going to be a marquee game against good players. I knew they had a couple guys who were injured. I knew they probably weren't going to be full strength. But, you know, no Kawhi, no Ibaka, no Valanchunas. I'm sitting here thinking, like, all right, well, you're kind of robbed of, like, a real good test at home, you know. I knew they were yeah. going to get it in Boston. I think they played okay. But, yeah, they just haven't really had – I don't know what the marquee win is this year at Indiana.
0: That's probably that's it. One. I
1: don't I don't think there is anything there. You know the Toronto game the gets a fat asterisk. The, Clipper,
0: of, you know. the Clippers game, but right?
1: Yeah, but that was a home game. But they've
0: I, they've kind of they've kind of regressed back to the normal. Were they sixth in the mm, West? Right something now? like that.
1: Back yeah, back. I don't know what the next best road win for the for the Sixers would be. Indiana
0: uh, Clippers are fifth fifth
1: in the um, i mean if they beat the jazz on the on the roll the jazz are what like fucking 17 and seven or 17 and 18 the utah's not even that
0: great you know what's scary in this whole thing though kevin is the the bucks rise to prominence and this is i think the thing that like if if you're a brett brown hater if you're a phil keidel (laughs) the the mike budenholzer hire is the thing that like maybe you cling to if you're a sixers fan who doesn't like brett brown because like budenholzer's team obviously they're they're he had some really good atlanta teams that were excellent in the regular season and they were absolute garbage in the postseason, But like you look at what happens when you have good role players like Chris Middleton. Um, and then you look at, you know, guys <laughs> who have a, a decent system around them that was fit around them. Giannis can't shoot this year. He's become Ben Simmons. essentially, yeah, right. Although he's willing to take yeah. shots, but he's getting wherever he wants on the court, anytime he wants, anywhere he wants. And he's massively athletic from, you know, a, a near seven foot frame. So, You know, Budenholzer, I think, is the guy that you kind of look at and you say, man, you know, if if there's somebody out there on the the free agent coaching market and things don't go well and you're able to, like, let's say somebody hits the waiver wire that we don't expect. Sixers swoop in, ends up being a good situation. Uh, Zaire comes back this year. Markell comes back looking like, let's say, even 60% of the player that we thought he would be at Washington. He ends Mm -hmm. up being, like, a good backup point guard for them this year. He's willing to shoot. He's not, you know, yelping out in pain every time he he puts the ball up. Fine. Let's give all those things as constants. And we say the Sixers lose in the first round. Does Brett Brown come back next year? Well, who's going
1: to fire him? Well, Elton Brand's God. not gonna fire coll- like the, the the collective. But, yeah, but here's well, that,
0: that like <laughs> the shadow broking collect like the shadow broker collective that Josh Harris was the absolutely sh- the with? shadowy
1: cabal. Of, the cabal, of, uh, whoever yeah, like, is in the cabal. I but here's the thing, like I I think you know part of the reason they went with Elton Brand is because Josh Harris wa- watched the last two GMs that he had like blow up in spectacular fashion. I mean Hinky was just sort of that situation was what it was. But Colangelo was a fucking you know crazy mess. You There's know, a fiasco. There's so a fiasco. Josh Harris, I think, is saying, "Look, I like Brett Brown. I like Elton Brand. We like Ned Cohen and Mark Eversley, and we don't really, we can't really gauge exactly what they do behind the scenes. They're kind of like your boys, Russ and John D. Filippo and Frank Reich.
0: Yeah, buddy. But so so Bring him back, Doug's looking- <laughs> an idiot. Yeah. Get me The John. WIP
1: poll like 24 hours after that happened was so fucking predictable. Should the Eagles bring back John D. Filippo? Yeah, let's fucking let's go get him. Yeah, bring him back to Philadelphia. Touchdown, Philadelphia.
0: Touchdown! Nick Falls with a deep ball to Nelson Aguilar and the Eagles are on the board. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Your Merrill's not as good as uh as uh the Don uh the Don, 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 Corleone? Don, Corleone Don Corleone that you were doing on, on, it's doing it on the podcast. But listen.
0: Listen, Coven, I will tell you. I will tell you that... Whoa. You sound like
1: Mike Luongo.
0: Once, once upon a midnight dreary. No. If you...
1: um, So listen. You,
0: Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a Bradford White heater. <laughs> God. For the achiever in you. Um.
1: So Josh Harris is sitting there saying... I've got stability here, okay? We like what we have in Brett Brown. We like what we have in Elton Brand. This group can do it collectively, you know? So there's no, like, what, what, what is, is it so, they do collectively? Who, they make decisions. No, what is it that they do well They just don't fuck up, I guess. I don't know. When, when you're not a fuck up, the only standard is that when you are a fuck up, the only bar that you have to clear then is not being a fuck up, right? So when you're coming off the Brian Colangelo fiasco, I mean anybody looks good in comparison, don't they? Um, but I guess. you know who was in charge of of trading Zaire, of trading Mikhail Bridges, and who Mikhail was Bridges, in yeah. charge of you know letting Nemanja Bialica reneg on his his verbal when he could have tried to pin his ass to the wall, or I, you know I I don't know I don't know if they could have done anything in that situation. Obviously, you know, but they're looking at stability. They have stability, you know, and they're going to ride it out with yeah. bread. I think because otherwise, what do you what do you do like? Then you bring in somebody who might not interf- wow. interface and well just, with Elton Brand, and who like then what? You're stuck with Elton Brand and a bunch of pieces that don't fit. Like this thing could this yeah. thing could be over before it even starts. So I don't. So to to bring it full circle here and kind of move it forward, I can, is it like an hour talking about the Sixers? Jesus Christ. Um, to bring it full circle, like Brett Brown, I I don't I don't think that. And, like, with Phil's thing, Phil's always like, I told you so. I'm going to be right. I'm going to tell you so. I'm going to remind you every fucking time the Sixers play. Like, he's always, like, up our ass about the Brett Brown thing. And I'm like, dude, just, like, for first first of all, let me say, like, for anybody in the media, it just never makes sense. You're never going to hear me say, and I'm never going to write a story for Crossing Broad that says, time for the Sixers to fire Brett Brown. Okay. First of all, it doesn't matter what I say. Uh, number two, I've got, I have to keep sort of a relationship with the guy because we ask him questions. Uh, during the press conference. I don't want it to be a situation. Like, there's there's no benefit for me to say, yes, Brett Brown should be fired. So what?
0: Like, a bunch of... Number three, you're going to drop that, that uh, article when you leave for The Athletic and offer up uh, 30% off today and only
1: today (laughs) like what's the benefit of me coming out and saying well they should fire Brett Brown because then he thinks I'm an asshole I can't get a good answer out of him for however long I continue to cover him and then a bunch of people on Twitter say well at least you're brave enough to do this well it doesn't matter you don't need me or Derek Bodner or Rich Hoffman or Kyle Newbeck or anybody to say anything your opinion is strong enough as it is what the fans think and what the fans say and how the fans feel about Brett Brown matters infinitely more than what I say about Brett Brown. You know, I'm not really supposed to have an opinion about it anyway. I, I'll try not to bullshit you. I'll try to tell you, be as honest as I can about it. I don't I don't think that Brett is, I don't think that he's a bad coach. I just think that like philosophically, I don't know what that what he has installed is the best fit for what the, the game is right now. Or I don't think it gets them over the hump of where they need to be. So to me, it's going to be defined on what he does this year and kind of adjusting. And if we see anything different at the end of the game, uh, he likes his offense. He's not going to change his offense. Uh, is Ben Simmons going to learn how to shoot? You know, are they going to run more pick and roll with Jimmy Butler? Is that going to deliver them into the end of games a little bit better? So again, it's 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 to me. I think when people are being critical of Brett Brown, I don't I don't. I think you have to look more deeper in a more macro sense of what his philosophy is and how he set up this team and the way that he wants to play versus whether he knows X's or O's. Cause I think he knows X's or O's. I think he understands what he's doing on a basketball court. He just philosophically looks at it. A little bit differently than other micro manager coaches. He's more hands off. You know, he's more of a let the players do their thing. And I think players appreciate that and I wouldn't mind playing in that kind of system myself. But at the same time, you're talking about like really young guys who could use some guidance from the sideline. I don't think this is this is the squad to be hands off with. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I think that's the bigger point. And it's I a think... macro
1: thing. It's not like if I, I think with Brett Brand, you gotta look largely at the at the whole picture and kind of take a step back to beyond to to, the process years which is where he started i mean it's really not much different than what they were doing back then you know even with much better players so
0: yep i do i i don't want to make a big deal out of this but i do worry a little bit about the way that joel has been
1: his comments not
0: i i don't think he's been outwardly vocal in a dissenting manner about brett but I think the fact that he's now voiced his concern a few times about his positioning on the floor, and not touching the ball down the stretch in games, I he's right. But then at at the same time, like I also get frustrated with Joel when he doesn't recognize a double team coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't like I'm not on the floor, so I can't hear if his teammates are calling out to him that a double's coming. But you would you would assume that they are. Would well, if he didn't turn are. the ball, if he that's, didn't that's turn the of, ball over six hope.
1: times, he would have had. How many, how many shots versus, you know, and and look,
0: you know, coming down the stretch of that game, you know, that Joel is probably going to get the ball and you know that you're going to send a double team. And a lot of cases, guys like to, you know, send a delayed double and he never picks it up and whatever. But I I do wonder at some point, you know, what is the thing that finally breaks the, the Brett Brown hold on this position? You know, do we have to see an already established coach come available and and the Sixers collective, their special cabal, just decides that like, look, it, it's time to go out and get a championship head agreed coach. Like, is that what happens? I I don't know, but I am starting to think that like, I'm not I'm not throwing a whole lot of of gasoline on the fire. That is, uh, you know, the the ringer uh, conspiracy that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't like mm-hmm. each other. Yada yada yada. But like at some point, I think that like all of the job, the the good job that Brett has done of you know, culminating a a positive attitude and atmosphere around the team and all that. Like, I think there's a lot to be said for it. But at some point when you're moving forward as a team, like either Brett is going to have to effectively behind closed doors to management, to ownership, explain that like without somebody with his people skills, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are going to eat each other alive. Or that that collective group is going to have to come to the determination that, regardless of how nice of a guy Brett is, like he might not be the right guy tactically to get this team to the next level. I, I just think that for you know people that that kind of suffered through so many of the process years, I, I think there's just like, there's such an attachment to Brett as being this like father figure of sorts to a lot of these guys,
1: yeah. Yeah. and
0: and I think that's what that's what makes it hard. I think if you could detach yourself from that and just look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Or, or, go into it knowing how bad of teams he had for his first two years in the league, you would give him a little bit of wiggle room. But I, I think it's, it's just his persona. That's what's bought him so it's much. It's the same time, Jim. It's the same point,
1: with Jim Curtin, man. It's the same. You know, it's the same thing. And people on this podcast aren't for his people for on this podcast years, aren't really going to understand that comparison. But he's a guy who sort of came through circumstances that were similar to Brett Brown's, where he didn't have the tools, they didn't really have the money, they weren't trying to win, and so that bought him some equity. Uh, among the team and among the fan base at least for a little while you know so that's a weird kind of spin-off remnant shard of the process that would not normally appear in any other kind of situation but to the Embiid point I don't really know what Joel wants because he's averaging 18.3 shots a game it's like 17th in the NBA no other center shoots as many shots per game as he does and the only other big that shoots more shots than he does is Anthony Davis Who's you know he's like a tweener, but they they always label him as a, Anthony Davis as a power forward, you know. Um, so I I don't know does he want the ball in crunch time because I know exactly what's going to happen. They throw him the ball in the post with time running out. He's going to get doubled. He's going to either yep. you know throw up a bad shot or he's going to try to throw it out to the Go perimeter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what more they can. It's it, you know again it's a motion offense that he. he Inbounds the ball and he runs up the floor and of course he's the slowest one on the team. The big is not going to be up the floor before everybody else, so they pass it to the trailing big. They play dribble handoff with JJ Redick and that's how he gets ninety-five percent of his post entries. I don't think people, I think people under, underestimate or undervalue the importance of post entry. Like my my sixty-year-old uncle say, "Well, get him down in the blocks, get him the ball down low." Okay, it's not as simple as just go stand in the low post and we'll throw you the ball. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way you have to space the four and you got to get other people out of the way and you have to move defenders and you have to avoid digs and doubles and stuff like that and so that's how they get in most of his post entries is when they're playing elbow you know dribble handoff two man games stuff like that but I don't I don't know his usage is like top five in the NBA his, his field goal attempts are number one among all centers I don't I don't know he, he took four three-pointers the other night he took zero in the two games prior So I don't know. I think the thing with Joel is that he's just so good at a lot of different things that it's always a constant struggle to try to just remind yourself, this is what I'm the best at. You know, it's a great problem to have. It really is. (laughs) Ben Sims is good at a lot of different things, too, except for shooting. Uh, But he can pretty much do everything else on the floor. Would you agree? on cue Joel just hit a three. Did he? Yeah. So I I, so again I don't I think it's I don't think Brett Brown's job is as easy as everybody's making it out to be. You can point to all the talent that they have on the on the floor, but a lot of it is just kind of like the pieces aren't so obvious, you know, and uh you know, maybe it's too late to make Ben Simmons anything but a but a weird point guard and you know, maybe Joel Embiid is not just, you know, and his canter, you know, trying to bulldoze his way through people and above people and hit the offensive glass. But uh, yeah, he's dropping some hints here and there. But at least he gives a shit because all other Philadelphia athletes would
0: just be like, I don't give a, I don't give a crap, you know. So remember how I let off saying Jonah Bolden needs to play. Yes, yeah, he's playing right now. Then Jolden Bolden goes out and uh, cracks Kyle Korver in the oh, face. Oh, did he? And that wannabe Ashton Kutcher hit the three. And now it's Bolden, a play I don't set think
1: Bolden offensively is. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's – I don't think they see him as being uh, up to snuff there. He's got two fouls already right now. Do you have any other uh, – do you have any
0: final Sixers? I feel like we should close the Sixers discussion after an hour. That was a long time to talk about it, yeah. A team that quite frankly might not even be top but three does it the
1: but you know i mean around. does it really do us any justice to spend a lot of time on the eagles anyway because like everybody's heard all the bazillion things about nick Foles and carson wentz and it's you know we, we make fun of the radio stations talking about it all the time so what the what the hell else am i going to say about nick Foles and that other people have not already said i can go through the takeaways column and and hit on some of the points there if you want um
0: I don't even know if it's worth it, man. 471 yards, 471 yards for Nick. You know, I, I look at it and I say, if if investor Jeff had any guts, he would have tweeted out a few weeks ago his, uh, his take, his idea <laughs> that, you know, maybe if you're the Eagles and you really believe in Nick Foles, then you trade Carson Wentz to the Giants for their first-round pick and Saquon Barkley. And he put it out there. In our Slack, but he didn't want to go live with it. And then he hid behind the idea that he doesn't have as big of a follower Mm, count, mm -hmm. which is uh, nonsense. That's code for he didn't want to get killed on social media. And then Mike Missinelli, Mike Missinelli, I usually call him Missinelli, and it it angers some people. Mike Missinelli went and uh, recently on Twitter said that he's come around on Nick Foles and that he would be fine sending Carson Wentz to the Giants. For that first round pick and Saquon Barkley. So he, in a sense that. Investor Jeff is essentially Mike Massanelli. Well that's a roundabout way of getting there. But
1: yeah, I mean that's uh that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? No, I don't it think, think it's Mike. Mike's all right
0: to me. Um which is He doesn't know who you are though. Do you he know, know who he is? Who I am that was a big that Google a big him. misunderstanding. Google um, him.
1: What comment do you think is gonna come back to hurt uh a Philly team the most? Is it stupid money? Star hunting, star developing, or the dream team.
0: Oh, I think the well, Phillies
1: aren't going to get Machado I or think, Harper, are they?
0: I think I think stupid money is the stupidest thing, because if you think about it, the star hunting or star developing. I know that you like to go back to this, and I know that I quoted it correctly off the Thanks. off the top, but but Brett said multiple times things that were more along the star hunting line than the star developing line. I, I think his implication there was that they were going to go pursuing, obviously, LeBron, maybe yeah, Paul George, but, definitely Kawhi. Right? But what and, would they, but what so would they be if, if Markel
1: had a star developed into a star?
0: Well, he didn't. I don't well, know. I mean, like, well, I mean, you Brett, can fault Brett, them for, for very both of those clearly, things, but it still
1: is both parts of the quote. It's a, yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, I think I think that you know Brett very clearly, when the Miami pick was acquired, was very much leaning towards the idea, alluding to pursuing Kawhi in a trade. And it didn't work out, and that's fine. And ultimately, he ended up with Jimmy Butler, so, you know, in a sense, he ended up getting another star. The Phillies are kind of screwed. Like, if if Manny Machado and Bryce Harper go elsewhere, and I don't know if I believe the Joel Sherman report, I, I feel like a lot of times... It's funny, baseball, I think, is the one sport nationally where agents are probably the... the biggest sources for those guys and those guys aren't as plugged into front offices as like especially like woge and shams are in mm. the nba or even like darren drager is um and bob mckenzie are for the nhl or like obviously Schefter, or even chris mortensen or uh rapaport are for the nfl I-, I just think that baseball it's such a guessing game and i feel like that was almost like a redirection that was like a bait and switch of sorts where it's like <sighs> Machado and Harper don't want to play in Philadelphia, and that's just a way to try to get a ploy to have the Phillies raise their offer and then go back to, like, the Yankees or the Dodgers no, I mean. or whoever else and say, like, oh, you know, the Phillies raised their thing. Like, eventually, I want to get to the moment where we say, you know, like, Crapper, get off why the would pot, you right? go? Like, po- why just, would you want to go play out, for like- the Yankees anyway? <laughs> like, because the Yankees are are a very deep team, and, oh, and you would win cares? championships and make. Well, I mean, look. If you're Manny Machado, you, know, you go there. You go you there. The, you got to Like,
1: don't you got to cut your hair and you got to shave and you got to play? You got to play anywhere. in front of a bunch anyway. of Bernie Madoff mother like Wall Street motherfuckers sitting in the front. Yeah, row. Yeah, but look,
0: like, but like, let's be honest. So I don't if franchise. Phillies, makes let's you say want the to fi- puke. let's say the Phillies offered thirty five. We're million a
1: bunch Machado, of blue collar. Right? We don't know how much pale.
0: God, I want to. Every time I hear the blue collar thing, I want to smash my head <laughs> through a center block wall.
1: We are Tom. You know, we're Tom. All, the, all these people. K- no, Kidero, here's, here's a fun story. Kidero.
0: Here's a fun story from Wells Fargo Center. So I, I get on the elevator with a couple of guys who I I think worked high up for the Flyers, no, and uh, you, I forget who the other team no, were playing didn't. that You're just day.
1: Making shit up. No,
0: I'm I'm dead serious because Anthony who, oh, okay. knew who they were. I, I explained them, and I'm like, these guys are like six seven, and I have no idea who they were, and Anthony knew like right off the bat because that's what he does. Anyway. I'm on this elevator, and there's these. There are these two women on on the thing, and and Bryce Harper comes up because they've got on that media elevator. They have the TV, and they mm-hmm. have Comcast or the NBC Sports Philadelphia feed up. And the one lady looks at the other and goes, "Oh, you know what? I, I like Bryce Harper. He 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 really tries. He's a hard worker. You know, he would be so good here because uh, you know he he's really blue collar." He's very blue-collar. And the other lady goes, oh, what do you think about Manny Machado? Oh, I don't like him. He's very lazy. Did you hear the thing he said about not hustling? Yeah, He's they're not probably a Johnny Hustle. Then, then he can Johnny Hustle fi- his way They were listening to Angelo for five like,
1: seconds, and people just believe like, all the bullshit.
0: I w- and then like, they started getting into it about like how lazy Machado is. And I look at these six, seven guys. And I just start cracking up. I looked at the one and I said, oh, I didn't know that I, you know, signed up for WIP on the, on the radio or on the, uh, the elevator. You kind of sounded great. like a, like, like
1: Fran Drescher when you were doing those, uh,
0: well, I was, I, I just watched the late, my cousin the late Joan last night. Rivers. So I was going to go little, little Marissa Tomei. Tome. That's a trick question the 1967 Buick Skylark. Can I say something about the interview.
1: about the blue collar thing cuz and I I mentioned this I, on, I, I mentioned it. this on Twitter and like people like some people were like hate coming it. back at Kyle and calling him like an asshole and stuff like that and like like when we when we do like so the I don't think he call himself, ele- himself that the electrician what? like Tom greets Manny Machado at, at Citizens Bank Park and they made him walk in the front door for whatever the fuck. Oh hey Manny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs>
0: Hi there, hi, <laughs> hi there, Manny. I didn't know you were coming. Ha <laughs> ha hey. Like seriously, what? Well, you... that was the corniest thing. Like, you, made Mac, wa- you made his what? You made him and his, hi, made his wife
1: walk through the Philly, Philly media and like it's talk like... to Tom the electrician uh, in front of the thing. But we joke because it's like a, Matt
0: Klintock walked into like Comic Con or, like or gr- something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He, he just got done doing his like Street Fighter cosplay or whatever he does. Uh, but <laughs> hey, I'm Chun Lee. Look at me. They um, oh good they make, reference. Um, they make him coming through the front door, and like so. Of course, the joke was like, well, of course Manny Machado is greeted by like a blue collar. Uh, <laughs> constru- they were calling him a construction worker at the time or whatever. But nobody's like when we when we do the whole like Philly blue collar like lunch pail uh, skit or whatever the you know cliche or whatever the hell you want to call it. We're we're not like we're not making fun of like union laborers and like carpenters and electricians and uh pipe laying you know for 440 union or whatever <laughs> men, so think, you <laughs> know. Okay. like first of all those people make like twice as much money as i do uh and they don't have to work nights and they don't have to work weekends so why would i make fun of any of those people in the first place you know what i mean um but it's more like it's the cl- it's it's like it's this cliche that like the philly sports fan is a simpleton you know, like we only value hustle and hard work, you know, and like these like basic rudimentary athletic concepts. Like, what what fan what what there fan is, there is what contingent. fan base does not what well, fan base does not appreciate those things? You know what I'm saying? Like Yankees, yeah. So, but, but with like the average Philadelphia fan now has like evolved over the years to, to like understand and appreciate, uh, you know, analytics data like longer kind of personnel concepts look at like the process for example like look at how the process was accepted by a lot of younger people younger generation and then it was a clear you know generational boundary that was drawn around like age 35 40 whatever years old the older folks don't really like it don't really get it right but so so like when yeah. people like angelo Cataldi, um just kind of like bring it but boil it down to like well this guy's not gonna be liked here, welcomed here because he doesn't hustle i mean that's that's it's like ultimately it's like insulting and stereotyping to the the fans that he claims to represent. you know you're just belittling your own yeah. audience and like keeping them purposefully stupid it's like the it's like the novel brave new world where they can genetically engineer. Uh, the perfect human being and they've mastered like the art of creating people or whatever the hell, but they purposefully create stupid people because they need people to like press the buttons on the elevators and stuff like that in the novel. Like that's the example they use in the novel. Like he he's actively like demeaning people by saying that we're too stupid to like appreciate anything beyond just like caveman level effort and hustle and stuff like that. When the smart person might say, well, I don't need a guy running to first base running his ass off and like crashing into walls and doing all this stuff all the time. Cause if he breaks his, his collarbone, then guess what? He ain't going to be doing anything on the field. You know, he's going to be hustling yep. from the hospital bed back home after, you know, three months of rehab. So that's when people say like the blue collar, we're so blue collar and lunch pail. And I'm going to put on my hard hat and go to work and watch Philly sports. Like it, we make fun of that because we're not making fun of like union laborers. We're making fun of this concept that we're all like, basic type of people who only do like straightforward kind of things they can only see like 10 feet in front of their face you know that's it's all outdated and it's all old that's not what we are anymore that's not what the city has been for years now but because angelo's been doing the same shtick since like 1978 or whenever he moved here from rhode island you know that's why we get this reputation for being something that we are not i agree you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, you I. You know I, what I'm I would, saying, darling. I was,
0: I was fighting. I was fighting the urge. Fighting the urge to uh, to go into a, a gargano. Yeah. So. No, no, but the lunch pail. Yeah. I'm gonna I, carry
1: my yeah. lunch pail. I only want Aaron Rowand on this team. I don't want Manny Machado. You realize yep. how like you think how? Oh stupid no that no! Sounds? Give
0: me. You know what, Scott Kingry, man. He uh he really knows how to run through stuff, man. Yeah, he he uh he slides <laughs> into second base really hard. Well, somebody made that. You know who doesn't slay in hard to second base? Manny yeah, Machado. Somebody, somebody, somebody who wants made that, that point. Guy. Yeah, who wants 37 home runs and 109 RBI? Somebody who responded yeah, Somebody
1: responded to uh, Cataldi's thing, and he said, well, Scott Kingery hustles, and he stinks. So yeah. uh, to me, that just sums it up. Let's you know. get to some questions. There, okay, there's yeah, some yeah, questions I'm running, out of, I'm running on, out of steam on, here. On the, uh, the Twitter. another Winter Jack. As another as girly whiskey.
0: <laughs> um, I, I put out a few things, and I asked for people to give us uh, their favorite Christmas gift or Hanukkah gift, or holiday gift, and the one that they yeah. want to send back. I.W. Johnson on Twitter said, Nick Foles is about to give us the best Christmas gift. He's going to play so well that we're going to get Jalen Ramsey for Foles in a third-round pick because the Jags believe he can run their offense. Unfortunately, Nick Foles is a free agent at the end of this year. So, <laughs> but I, it was a it was great counts, idea yeah. in theory, but that uh, that's not happening. Uh, the Flyers are a Grinch because they brought up Hart just long enough to sell some jerseys, and now he'll go back down mm, yeah. and leave us with Noivy. And a sad, sad next three months. That's partially true. Although I don't think the Flyers actually like Michael Nyberg, so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, them uh, ship him away or banish him to Siberia. Um, also, the Phillies are like the atheist family down the street on Christmas. They seem so nice and neighborly, but ultimately, when the big day comes, they get you nothing and pretend that they actually know better.
1: That one, I think, yeah, is but pretty good. you know, they're not so bad.
0: They're uh, they don't tell you what
1: to believe about that.
0: Wow. Wow. Kevin defending the atheists. Who saw that one coming <laughs> uh, Secret's out. Secret's, uh-oh. secret's uh-oh. out, Town. Oh, my God. We, um, still, we still do Christmas. Though.
1: We do, like the, we do the, all the secular things. So.
0: Matthew Groves said uh, uh, that he got new cross-country ski poles and an eagle's blanket for these uh, cold winter nights. Said nothing is wrong with regifting. I asked if regifting is bad. If it's going to sit in the closet, might as well give it a good home um i told my wife i told my wife
1: and um my mom both that i like could use more uh like i need more like i need another winter jacket like i only have like two that i ever ever wear to the Sixers. i wear the same two jackets down at wells fargo center all the time and so my wife got me two and my mom got me one and now i have more jackets i know uh know what to do with which is knock
0: on wood a good problem to have uh, union Report at Philly Sports 42, who has a uh, Philadelphia Union avatar, says Foles is better than Wentz even when Wentz is at full health. That is a hot take. That yeah, is a very hot take. Just, that was in response to Frank Barber Jr. on Twitter saying, should we trade Wentz with a. Uh, people a seem to forget
1: face. two things. Number one, Nick Foles fucking started the first two games this year. Like, do people not sure remember that? Nick Foles did not just miraculously remember Tampa come back. Yeah. We well, how did the Tampa he play Bay against game? Atlanta and Tampa Bay? And Carson, I mean, Atlanta—they <laughs> like, won. We have such such short Tampa. memories in this town. Like Foles had one touchdown and one of interception course. in two games, and he was utterly average. Uh, and Carson,
0: remember Carson, when everybody when he thought was, Tampa Bay was going to be this uh, great yeah, team? Right?
1: When Carson was uh, healthy last year, he was playing at an MVP level. So like people just need to fucking like take two two. We're, we're so like, I think myopia it might be the best and worst trait of the Philadelphia sports fan, both at the same time and the media too.
0: Andrew Dillon over on Twitter, uh, we we shouted this out on it's always soccer in Philadelphia, but he called this the most ambitious crossover event since Infinity yeah. War. That so was fun. It is
1: an amb- it's so ambitious that I'm about to fall asleep right now actually. Should... And I yeah, I said that? on the other podcast so- I keep like I keep wanting to say Xfinity War. I think the sequel. I think for Xfinity War, it's the sequel to it's the next Avengers, and it's just Thanos is on hold with Comcast customer service for like three hours. And then the movie just ends.
0: Uh, The patience stone. Is there a patience (laughs) stone? If you can get through an entire call with uh, Comcast. No,
1: it's the it's the stone. They're basically like they're basically like, well, your rates are going to go up by 20 bucks. And then all you have to say is like, well, I'm going to go to Fios then. And then they say, oh, well, we'll just let you keep your rate for the next year.
0: (sighs) And three months free of HBO. (laughs) Get ready for your thrones, baby. Xfinity
1: War starring oh my God. black panther. i love it wow what he's in those of, I, 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 yeah he was in those yeah
0: yeah he was i i just michael uh, michael b jordan oh, no it's not infinity. it's not him it's uh oh my it, gosh well michael b jordan was the. he was, was in black antagonist. panther but
1: he's panther. not in the uh uh the, chadwick chadwick, Boseman, chadwick, um, chadwick Boseman, yeah he's Boseman, he's black panther yeah? and he's in that's, infinity war that's good black panther knowledge out of you
0: yeah, yeah. all right uh any other points Phillies are uh, are probably by the time we record another crossing broadcast the Phillies will probably lose out on literally everybody they've been yeah. attached to and if i'm wrong on a positive note people will rip me apart on twitter for it but on a positive note, the Phillies would actually have a good player coming to town. My most confusing uh,
1: story of the week is something that I didn't write about, and I probably won't write about for the site. I've done a couple, U- I've done a couple uh, UFC and MMA posts for the site in the past, which have which have done oh, okay. Yeah, Jones but the John thing? Jones thing just confuses the hell out of me because, like, maybe I just need to read more about it. But if if he was having traces of the steroid that was found in his system years ago, that's still showing up now. Would that not have shown up on like the drug test he did last month or the month before or, like, how did this how you did this so. only become a thing like a week before the fight? They had to move. They had to yeah, hold. What would, they should have so. done is like. So for those of you who don't know, they're moving the entire UFC f- fight this weekend from Vegas to Los Angeles. The whole the whole damn thing, like they're flying the fighters, charter, uh, from vegas to to los angeles at the last minute what they should have just done is just moved Gustafsson and jones to la and let yep. all the other fighters and their families everybody who booked all this shit all the fans who bought tickets let them stay in vegas show the damn thing on the big screen and then have jones and gustafson somewhere else like at the at the forum or some shit is the is that thing still exist out there where tito no ortiz idea. fought let's um say, fucking yes. chael Sonnen for like the 10th time but I I don't get the yeah you know, the John Jones thing is just so weird to me because they said that like the tra- the amount of steroids that were found in the system was like one like grain of salt in like a swimming pool or something. So I don't I don't know how that works, but I feel like I need to read.
0: I did see that somebody they were talking about like picograms. Yeah. <laughs> there were there was uh, somebody who's responding to it and they're like they made they made it sound on the report that it was whatever was like the overall thing. Oh Ben Simmons just threw it at an Um, but the guy was like no that's just per like i don't know like nano leader i don't mm-hmm, know whatever mm-hmm. science no not our thing here. yeah I, not, I don't i didn't sign up for chem on it's a, just weird though yeah i
1: don't I don't, I don't understand like you know if you're daniel cormier and you're sitting there thinking like you know this dude again you know but he knows that like he can't i don't know cormier John cormier was the doing one guy really who well could
0: actually galvanize the ufc fan base to cheer for brock lesnar <laughs>
1: Honestly. Cormier was doing really, really I, well against I don't him know the not fight before he, got, before he took that kick.
0: I genuinely want that the next time that Brock Lesnar fights, which I think is yeah. in February, is after his uh, whatever, because he's the universal champion right now oh. in WWE, okay. for those who aren't keeping up. I want Paul Heyman to actually come out and cut promos for the UFC for Brock Lesnar. I think it'd be great. I don't know if you're familiar with Paul yeah. Heyman, but he's probably the best mouthpiece in, in all of The wwe yeah like i said man i haven't
1: i just haven't watched wwe since it was wwf you know i was like as big a ecw kid as anybody growing up in this area and and, you know rob van dam and sam man and sabu and all them dudes stuff like that you know but uh but yeah, yeah when it when it kind of changed over around like like i got out of high school in in 2002 or two thousand three, like I, I kind of like was not really paying attention to anything that came after that because I think ECW had joined with the, um, they were with WWF at that point,
0: right? Like right after the yeah. right
1: around the turn of the the turn of the millennium. It was a, it was
0: a very bad the invasion angle. was one of the worst executed, yeah. uh, pro wrestling angles in the history of yeah. pro wrestling angles because the uh, Vince McMahon didn't want to pay the uh, the buyouts yeah. of uh top. Were stars. there any other There's any thing, sports
1: whatever. we got to touch? The any any fusion yeah. points that you wanted to make?
0: Well, I have a point okay. about the Flyers. So I wrote up a thing. I, I wrote up a thing. So Morgan Frost in the uh, first day of the uh, World Junior Championship had five points. Uh, Morgan Frost is a 19 year old who's been playing uh, in the OHL and he's uh, averaging 1.81 points per game this season. He had I think 112 points last year in the OHL. He's a good young player. I've had he's been described to me by some who follow that team a lot more than I do as being you know, a, a guy with the vision and playmaking ability of a young Claude Giroux, which is interesting, but he needs to add to his frame. And granted, the OHL is a very different level of skill uh, and speed than the NHL yeah. is. But he did have three goals. He had a hat trick, and he had two primary assists in uh, Canada's 14-0 demolition of Denmark. Interestingly enough, the Flyers uh, are in a spot now where this... Um, Uh, uh, Well, as of recording this, we're a half hour away from the NHL roster freeze from being lifted. Hmm. And uh, I think the Flyers are going to be pretty active. I think Chuck Fletcher might have a couple things up his sleeve. Anthony and I have been talking about it a lot on Snow the Goalie, so I would encourage people who want Flyers Talk to go over and subscribe to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast over on uh, you know, the crossing Broad you podcast can't say that that's, iTunes, that spikes Google Play that spikes Stitcher. being the only uh, and, the only uh, uh, podcast I don't know what you're talking about no it's really I don't have any podcast. I think I'm I kind
1: know. of out of uh, out of stuff for, you know, are you yeah. out of talking points that's yeah. talk about the
0: union oh if anybody wants to go listen to us talk about the union go check out it's always soccer in Philadelphia Phil here's a fun thing so we're doing the bottle swap we talked about this elite off the show Phil said to me, "Hey Russ, why don't we uh, record Crossing Broad FC mm-hmm. tomorrow?" I said, "Phil, we're going to be at the bottle swap. He wants to do it around lunchtime. He's neglecting to uh, take into account the two toddlers that I'm going to have running around my house at lunchtime." Well, we can tomorrow.
1: do it live. We can there's, we can record live at the uh, at the bottle swap, at and it'll swap? just be an it'll just be yeah, an hour be of Phil fucking complaining about something
0: probably. I I do believe that uh, crossed up with Bob and Anthony is going to return. return next week with a new episode although in fairness if bryce harper and or manny machado go sign with the lakers or the or not the lakers the dodgers or the yankees i think there is a high probability that one of them ends up smashing their head through a cinder block wall and uh or smashes their mic so uh stay tuned stay tuned stay tuned anyway what did i say to start off uh, the um uh, podcast it's always soccer you said uh yeah i tried to
1: say between and i said between (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> do you realize that you like have a schwa sound in your uh when you say like 20 you say i 20. have like
1: some kind of lisp in general i think i like slur no but words. you're not
0: the only one like kyle does that what's too. the word tell me the word again i've heard like the tw, T-W. sound Tweed, like twen- in 20, 20 like in 20 you guys kind of say 20. like 20 like chwa- like landry 20. you're not the only Shammett. one yeah you you guys aren't the only you're not yeah, the I only have some one.
1: kind of funky slur in general but i think that's uh you know just comes with the, the that. Comes with County, Berks yeah. County, I think, nat- naturally.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Kevin, thanks for uh, hopping on Crossing Broadcast. I kn- look, I know that there are a lot of people who've been upset that the show hasn't been uh, mm-hmm. regular, and uh, I can tell you that in 2019 we're taking the show back over, and the thing is going to work, right. and it's going to come out. It's going to be so great. We are going to do so much winning. You're going to get sick of winning, uh, and we will be back to being regular. It'll be a rotating cast. I think is probably what we're, we're going to take. Doing.
1: So Take back will... the White House.
0: Beah! Yes, and we are we are going to make Crossing Broadcast so Beah! great again. Beah! And quite honestly, it's been great. It's been fantastic. And many people have told us how great it is. But 2019 is the year of the Crossing Broadcast. You sound me. like Rafa Benitez. Until...
1: And, uh... What? <laughs> you sound like Trump and uh, Newcastle's uh, Rafa Benitez. No, I know
0: who Rafa Benitez <laughs> is, but oh, God. We're going that's to play awful. three at, I, at the back.
1: <laughs> you sound like
0: <laughs> Listen, you come to me. You come to me and you say... You're Trump, your Trump your Trump kinda broadcast. sounds
1: a little bit like Trump and uh Milton from office space. Oh
0: my god. Oh, I just, that's I so good. I was yes. looking
1: for my, my stapler. I was thinking for my And stipler, they told me they told me that stipler. I had to go go down to storage closet B, but I don't I like my <laughs> I like my desk right here. <laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us. (laughs) If you need a stapler, don't forget, if if you need a stapler, go on down to Staples and find a Bradford White heater here on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, the only podcast network in the United States of America. Mike, let's take it down to Jason Peters, who left the game in the second quarter as per usual, and yet the Eagles continue to waste a roster spot on him. But Darren Sproles, after 15 weeks off, is back. And he will play a vital role in week seventeen. I don't know. We probably won't. No, we're not going to do a Friday podcast. What is your uh, your prediction for this week? Let's, um, let's hit that really quick since we didn't
1: really talk. Bears, Eagles. Um, the Bears, the Bears beat the Vikings, but the Eagles lose to Josh John. What's his name? Josh Johnson. No, I, I'm just kidding. The, the Eagles will win, um, but I think like <laughs> I think the Vikings end up
0: winning too. I, I don't know. I actually think the Bears are going to win. Dude, we talked about this. Uh, I think uh, the last episode. I think it was me you and Bob. You don't think maybe. the but you think the Rams Bears,
1: and the Cardinals. I mean that has a chance the to get out of it. Now, I Bears are good.
0: No, I think the Bears defense is going to be really solid. I think they're <laughs> going to show up to Matt Nagy. I honestly haven't really thought about that. That was it. that was I think my favorite storyline this weekend or this week was uh Doug Peterson saying that he, you know, he might reach out to Matt Nagy and uh and then Mike Zimmer saying that he doesn't care who Doug calls and it's like ah. Uh, Dude, he's in your head. He's totally in your head. It's fine. I, I, it would be the most Philly thing ever for Chicago to win, and then Washington, led by like jo- what's his yeah. name, Josh Johnson, to have Josh Johnson go totally blue collar, run the through Rams, walls, and uh, and lead the the Redskins to like a forty to six. The Rams are up twenty one to nine
1: at halftime in the first game they played um, against the Cardinals this year. Is twenty one to nine enough for the Bears to like? take a look at, at what they're doing in the second half. I don't think so I don't either. Think so. I think it would have to be like 24. He said it would have to be,
0: it would have to be a ridiculous. Well, he said it would have to be a, a pretty ridiculous disparity. He did. Between the teams. Yeah. Like I think a third, like a 30, 30 point halftime. Lead I'm just
1: burned out. Um, I think on the Eagles, I think I just try to organize all my thoughts into this stuff for the site. And when it comes to actually talk about it, like on here or with friends or to, my dog just walked team. into the, um, Studio Bax- Baxter, do you Whoa, want to say anything? Baxter? Say something. Wolf, 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 wolf. Yeah, he he's like wagging his tail, but he never says anything. So,
0: well, that's really good canine yeah. knowledge out of you. All right. So I think this is probably probably woof, safe to say woof, woof, woof. is the last episode of Crossing Broadcast this year, yeah. unless. Wait a second. What's uh? What day is New
1: Year's? Um, it's to uh Tuesday. Well, New Year's Eve is Monday. You
0: know what? We might actually. All right, maybe Usually we'll do a Monday. goal to do a... well. We we'll might f- do one, okay. a post game, post game okay. episode. All right, so keep your eyes peeled to the podcast app of your choice and the uh, Crossing Broadcast uh, feed. Anyway, for Kevin at Kevin underscore Kincaid, who you can find link to in the description of this episode, on Twitter, find him. Uh, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Thanks for listening, and we will uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Why, why the, why the fart sound? All right, good. Bye.